0: It's a real joy and privilege to be back with you in Hamilton. Um, as a boy from Motherwell, it's, uh, it's just, I'm just happy to get across the Clyde from time to time. And uh, so it's, it's nice to be here and to be able to share with you. There are a number of reasons why um, I give God thanks for Hamilton Baptist Church. Uh, one is actually just a new one today, I think, because you have no clock in this place which is absolutely fantastic for a, for a preacher. So thank you for that. Um, the second is, the last time I was with you, I shared something of, of my testimony, just very briefly and very quickly. But Hamilton Baptist has a role in that, as you sent um, one of your members into deepest, darkest North Motherwell in the 80s. And following on from that, In that Christian endeavor class, and along with the boys' brigade that we had there, the Lord spoke to me and saved me the first in my family. And um, that blessing continues as I've seen my oldest daughter trust the Lord and be baptized in June this year. And she's studying at Tilsley College this year. Now, she is deep, doubly blessed because she has me as one of her teachers at Tilsley College, and the fact that we're off on Monday because of a bank holiday, her first class, believe it or not, is four hours of hermeneutics with her dad. (laughs) So you can pray for her and pray for me, because I don't know what illustrations I'm going to use when she's in the class, but anyway. um, Actions have consequences, don't they? I learned this at a very early age. When you touch a hot kettle... Or you disobey a parent, actions have consequences. Or think of a tweet or a Facebook post which you can have which can have a consequence and reaction. When you put it out there in the cyber world, people see it, and there could be encouragement or there could be heat, depending on what you've posted. In the passage that we are about to read, and it will come up on the screen, hopefully, for for us, in this passage, we are about to see consequences and people react, the reaction of these people to this wonderful news, this wonderful event that has taken place that you thought about last week. Now, it's important for us to remind ourselves that what has just happened is the most dramatic event ever witnessed by the Jews prior to Jesus' death and resurrection Jesus has received the news and that his good friend the one he loved was dying the biggest enemy anyone could face and you've been th- you will be thinking about that this afternoon the biggest enemy anyone can face has arrived at the doorstep of one whom he loved. And if you were here last week, you would have learned that Lazarus dies. No wonder Mary and Martha are distraught. The age-old phrase used by many from, believe it or not, Bilbo Baggins to Obama, the age-old phrase attributed to the first-century philosopher Cicero was accepted by all where there's life, there's hope. It's a truth which rings in the heart of every man and every woman. Where there is life, there is hope. And we can see that on our TV screens. And we've witnessed that on our TV screens the past few days, 24-7, as you watch, as you can see the camera feed, as you watch the constant flow of people going past our late monarch's coffin, tear-filled eyes, as they pay their respects to our late Queen. Yes, age, when Jesus said, Your brother will rise again, Martha replied, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Martha knows that there is a day coming. There is a day coming when, that we read about in the Old Testament, where multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Martha would have known this. But what Jesus is saying to her here is, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. You see, when the the curtain of this world stage pulls back, guess who's on it? It's me, Martha. I am that day. I am the resurrection and the life. And so within that context, let us read chapter 11. Of John's Gospel, reading from verse 45 to 57. Could we get the first slide up? Is that possible? The very first one, so that we can see the the passage of Scripture, if it's possible. If not, then I'll simply uh, read it, but it may come up on the screen as we go. John's Gospel, chapter 11, reading from verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place. And our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the Jews. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the desert, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus, and as they stood in the temple area, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the feast at all? But the chief priests and Pharisees had given orders that if anyone found out where Jesus was, he would report it so that they might arrest him. Just a couple of verses in chapter 12, in verse 9, it says there, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Amen. And may God bless his word. To us, um, it should be up on the screen now. I believe, yeah, good. Now, what we see in this passage, faced with the greatest miracle Jesus performed, firstly is if this works, firstly is division. Division from verses forty-five to forty-eight. Do you see that? In verse forty-five, many of the Jews put their faith in Jesus. No wonder. A guy has just been raised from the dead. But in verse 46, we see this word, but some went to the Pharisees. This is ominous here. Quite often I get the students when they're reading through the gospel to imagine what background music we would have when we read a particular verse of scriptures and it's almost that eerie type music. Dun dun dun, but some went to the Pharisees. Verse 47 and 48. The Pharisees are in, a, are in a major quandary faced with Jesus. Notice they don't deny the miracles. They don't deny the miracles has taken place. They have decided that Jesus is going to upset. Their lives, their power, and their prestige. Because if word gets out, if word gets out, the Romans will see this uprising and they will come over and take the place and the nation. It is the idea if this really gets out, all will believe in Jesus. We'll lose our positions, we'll lose our place. We'll lose everything that we are comfortable with. They are selfish. They are religious hypocrites, you see. They are concerned for their own security, for their own pride and their position. Jesus divides opinion today, doesn't he? Ask anyone in the street about Jesus and you will get a wide range of opinion. There are those who believe, based on the analysis of the evidence, Lazarus was dead and now he's alive. It was miraculous. One of the old Puritan writers um, explained that the reason Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, is simply because if he'd said, come out, every grave would have emptied. One of my favorite hymns has this line. He speaks, and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. The mournful, broken hearts rejoice. The humble, poor believe. Lazarus was dead, and now he lives. Did you notice that even although the Pharisees and some of the people are divided over Jesus, the Pharisees do not deny that Lazarus is alive in fact they want to kill him they want to take his own his life why because on account of him many were putting their faith in Jesus countless thousands as I've already said are pouring past our our blessed queen's body in Westminster as I speak at the moment they know she is dead The tears, the distorted, tired faces are clear. They know that life is gone. That was true of Lazarus. Mary knew it. Martha knew it. The disciples knew it. Many Jews knew it. The official mourners knew it. Doubting Thomas knew it. Good old Lazarus knew it. And so did the Pharisees. This man is performing many miraculous signs. They knew, for they were the ones who wagged their religious finger at Jesus and said, it is not lawful for you to heal on the Sabbath. And listen, if they knew um, that Lazarus was alive, there was no doubt. A large crowd of Jews found out Jesus was at Bethany. We read in chapter 12, and they want to kill Lazarus. Why? For on account of Lazarus, many were believing in Jesus. Friends, that is the crux for the Pharisees here. and and, and the Sadducee high priest they hated Jesus because he exposed their false religion their hypocrisy he hated they hated him for that not really just what he was teaching not really what he was doing but rather because he revealed their hearts he knew what they were thinking in their hearts before they even formed the words on their lips You see, Caiaphas believed in in no afterlife. Life was for now. Make of it all you can. And so he profited from the wealth, the power, and the prestige he received from the status quo. And many are like that today. Don't rock my life. I'm quite happy. I'm quite comfortable in my life. Jesus warned about the Pharisees. Just before the story in Luke chapter 21 of a poor widow giving all, Jesus says these spine-chilling words, and I believe those four verses in Luke chapter 21 need to be read in that context. when he said, beware of the teachers of the law, they like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have their important seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at banquets, they devour widows' houses. They had no concern for the people. That is why the leaders hated Jesus. But let's leave the biblical world for a moment as we think of this reaction in 21st century Lanarkshire. Jesus still divides opinion today, doesn't he? Jesus divides opinion in my family. Jesus divides opinion in the street in which you you live. You see, if you're a Christian uh, this this morning, one who has been brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life, one who has been transferred from death to life, one who has been renewed by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life, then you are living testimony to the fact that God still raises dead people from the dead, spiritually dead, made alive in Christ Jesus. Jesus. And that same power that was at work on that day when Lazarus was called from the grave was the same power that was at work at the moment of your conversion when God saved you because salvation belongs to him. You can do nothing to save yourself. Save, throw yourself, abandon yourself on the mercy and the grace of God. You are like Lazarus, a living witness in your community, in your street, in your family, in your workplace. You're a living witness to the fact that God still raises dead, spiritually dead people from the grave. And your testimony is amazing. My daughter came in from college the other day and said, dad, you'll never believe this. There are three people on the GLOW course this year on the Tilsley College course that have amazing testimonies. And I said, how many people are there? I said, there's 12 of us. I said, all 12 have amazing testimonies. You have been raised from the dead. You who were dead in your transgressions and your sins, some will hate you for it. Some will try to destroy you. We've been thinking of Release International this morning. Please support that work and other works like it. There are people today who are still going around today looking for Lazaruses. And they want to kill them. Our dear brothers and sisters in countries like North Korea and Afghanistan and Somalia and and, and Libya and Pakistan and Eritrea, Yemen, Iran and so on. Many of them are being tracked down and they are being killed today. Because they testify to the fact that they were once dead and now they are alive. Because Jesus and the gospel sheds the light of truth and holiness into people's lives. And men hate light. They love darkness because their deeds are evil. Many will hate you. Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you, and they hated me with no reason. So there is division, but there is also in this passage substitution in verses 49 to 52. Caiaphas doesn't know it, does he? Here in verse 50, when he uses the words, when it says there in verse 50, you do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish that that's the idea of substitution here it's the idea of for someone dying for or in the place of he is being used of god for something so profound and fundamental to the Christian faith and the gospel of Jesus Christ, the teaching and the doctrine which is under attack today and has been for quite a while, the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus Christ died in my place and died for my my sin and died as a consequence of my sin. Peter tells us this truth in his epistle when he says that Christ died once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous in order to bring you to God Paul says exactly the same thing in his letter while we were still sinners Christ died for us John tells us in his first letter God sent his son into the world as an atoning sacrifice for our sins the writer to the Hebrews whoever they were said just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment so Christ was sacrificed once why? to take away the sins of many people The substitutionary death of Jesus Christ is a fundamental doctrine to us Bible-believing Christians, evangelical Christians. Christ died for us on the center tree at Calvary. Now, Caiaphas doesn't have that in his heart and in his mind. He hated Jesus. But God is using him in a way that he is oblivious to. Let's get rid of Jesus so that we can keep these fanatics at bay and we can be happy in our cozy, luxurious, powerful, and hypocritical lives. Keeping the people down below us. But God means it for something much more powerful and for much more good. It is better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. For if Christ had not died for us, had he not been buried and rose again on the third day, you would still be guilty of your sin and you would have been as well staying in your bed this morning. But Christ has been raised from the dead and he's alive. You see, Caiaphas meant Jesus' death for evil. God meant it for good. Caiaphas Caiaphas wants to rid Jerusalem of him. God wants to rid people of their sin by offering a sacrifice for sin. Brothers and sisters, our God can use the awfulness of this world and the decisions of evil men to turn it around for his good. He is sovereign. He is Lord. Because I believe with all my heart that the Bible teaches me that there is a higher throne than Buckingham Palace. That there is a higher throne than Westminster, a higher throne than Washington, a higher throne than Moscow, a higher throne than Beijing, for the one whose is seated on it is the King of Kings and is the Lord of Lords, and he reigns, he rules... And even and in his throne and on his throne and his dominion, it won't last for 70 years or seven decades or even a thousand years. His throne, his sovereignty, his reign knows no bounds, no time for his throne is everlasting. Oh, I wish that I could just catch a glimpse just for a moment of the Lord in all his glory just for a second, capture that moment in heaven where I see him seated and I see all the tens of thousands of angels around him, worshipping him, as I see those gathered around his throne, throwing anything that they have, their crowns at his feet, crying out, you are worthy, you are worthy, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things. And by your will, they were created. Just a glimpse of that. Would that not just change your life today? Just a glimpse of him in glory. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever Brothers and sisters, I don't know what you've come, to, how you've come to church today. With maybe with heavy hearts, I don't know, and I can only imagine that as you take, as you look at this service, the prospect of this service this afternoon. But I want to tell you this: that our God reigns. He is seated on the throne. He is majestic. He is all powerful, and none of all, none of us will form a cue to walk past His grave because his grave is empty for on the third day he rose from the dead and is alive think about it for a minute don't let anyone teach you anyone even begin to teach you that cruel men alone took Jesus to the cross That Caiaphas, Ananias, Pilate, Herod, the soldiers, the crowd, the nails held my Jesus to the cross. No, Jesus would not have stood before Caiaphas if it had not been the will of God. Jesus would not have stood dripping in blood after having been scourged by that awful scourging, bent over in agony before Pilate if it had not been the will of God. Jesus would not have in silence been subjected to an audience with the awful, vile, and despicable King Herod if it had not been the will of God. Jesus would not have in agony had Spike-like nails driven through his his, his skin and his veins on, on his hands and feet if it had not been the will of God. Cruel men did not take my Savior to Calvary. He willingly, steadfastly set his face towards Jerusalem for the joy that was set before him. He went for Gary Joseph Blair and he went for you. And he gives up his life for you in a cross. And he decided the moment he would give up his, his spirit. Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. And with that, he breathed his last. Yes, Caiaphas, it is better that one should perish than the whole nation. It is better that Jesus died than we had to stand before God in our sins and our trespasses. And so we have established that the Scriptures teach us that Jesus brings division, that Jesus was our substitute. But lastly, in this passage, there is decision, verses 53 to 57. So from that day on, the Sanhedrin plotted to take his life. Verse 53. Chilling, isn't it? The chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders, verse 57, that if anyone found out where Jesus was, he should report it so that they might arrest him. Ludicrous, isn't it? Crazy. That Jesus has taught with authority. No one ever spoke like him. That he is loved with affection and compassion. He has loved the unlovable. He has touched those who have not felt the the human touch for many a year, those with leprosy. He has healed people from all walks of life, Jew, Gentile, male, female, adult, child, Roman sympathizers, as well as members of devout religious leaders, and yet they decide to kill him. The venom that is spewing from Caiaphas' mouth was only revealing a heart given over to the things of Satan and evil. Some people are like that, you know. They've already made up their mind. The chief priests shout, as Jesus stands trial, we have no king but Caesar. Then Pilate hands them over hands Jesus over to be crucified. We have no king but Caesar. The religious leaders should have realized that their king was God Almighty. We have no king but Caesar. Think about it for a moment. Caesar is their king. Hypocrites. The fact that God is sovereign does not in any way condone their behavior or absolve them from their human responsibility of rejecting the Messiah, the true King. And so I close this message. Many Jews are looking for Jesus, wondering where he is. Some had yet to make their decision. What about us today? Jesus divides opinion even today. Jesus died in our place as a substitute for those who would believe in his name. What will you decide today? What will you do with the one they call the King of the Jews? The one who spoke and this world came into being the one who called Lazarus forth from the grave? Is Jesus your King? Is Jesus your Lord? Have, have you placed your hope in him especially as you think in your minds of our greatest enemy, death, have you decided to put your faith in him? Actions have consequences. Decisions need to be made. May God bless his word to us. Let's pray. Father, in the quietness, of our hearts and minds we respond to your word we ask father that you would take your word and plant it deep within our hearts as we've already prayed and we ask father that you would visit us with your salvation for we ask this in Jesus name